So we pick up, uh, let's just go back. We're going to start at the beginning, Luke chapter 15. Uh, there was a man that had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had. He set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. Now, we've often found, find ourselves in that same place, you know, that sometimes in life we have different needs in life. Sometimes there are emotional needs or spiritual needs or physical, financial needs. Sometimes we find ourselves in need as well. It says that, uh, uh, verse 15, so he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. And you know that, um, you know, that uh, pork or pigs uh, to the Jew was an abomination. Uh, they weren't allowed to, uh, to eat uh, pork. And so this was just like, he was about as low as he could go. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. It was just like, you know, uh, uh, that old Eric Clapton song, I'm standing at the crossroad, you know, but no one would uh, catch my eye. No one would look at me, just sitting there waiting. Um, and that's the way this young man is. He's sitting there, just, you know, no, no one wants to uh, help him with anything. Verse 17, it says, And when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out, go back to my father, and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was a long way off, and notice this, guys, uh, I mean, I know I touched on it uh, uh, last week and just briefly want to hit it again this morning. I don't want to go so fast that we miss the story if you didn't, if you weren't here last week. But while he was a long ways off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to him, you know, just notice all the things that the father does before the son even gets there. He sees him, and while he's a long way off, the father was, you know, started running, filled with compassion. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Now, this is real repentance right here. I mean, this is just breaking it down just like, you know, right out in the open. Um, you know, he, uh, this is heartfelt, genuine repentance. But the father said to the servant, after his son says, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father says to the servant, quick, bring the best robe, put it uh, on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring the fattened calf, and kill it. Let's have a feast. Let's celebrate. For this son of mine was dead, but he's alive again. He was lost, and he is found. And so they begin to celebrate. And I want you to know that that's the way that the Scripture talks about heaven still being. And it's really the way that the church should be. You know, the church should be the same way. That when we see someone that uh, turns from a, a, a wild lifestyle or, or changes their, their heart and the way that they're living, that we should rejoice with them. Now I want to just really pick up and focus on the second part of this story. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. 
And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called to one of the servants and asked him, What's going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry. Now think about it. You know, think about why. I mean, why would he become angry? Why, you know, why not celebrate with the rest of the family and refuse to go in? So the father went out and pleaded with him. This, this is the second time the father went out. He went out to get the, the younger son, and now he has to go out to get the older brother. And, uh, but he answered his father. He says, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, and he doesn't even address him as a brother, as his own brother, he calls him your son. When your son, um, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf. By the way, there's no mention of uh, him being with prostitutes in the other part of the story. So we don't know if this is just rumors that are flying around or if just something that the, the brother might have heard in town. You know how gossip is when it gets going, you know? I mean, it just like, it spreads like wildfire. Uh, and so I'm sure there was all kind of rumors. I mean, there was a cloud over this man's house. There was something that was there, you know? You got the older son that's there, but where's the younger son? Where's your younger son? Can you imagine answering that question, you know, uh, as he goes into the town, as he goes into the village, you know, hey, how's the family doing? People ask us that all the time. How's your family doing? And, uh, you know, you've got to answer. And then they start going through the names. Well, how's uh, Sadie doing? How's Grace doing? How's Rebecca doing? How's Jason doing? So, you know, you've got to go through. You've got to break it down. And, uh, you know, can you imagine when they got to the younger son, what the father said, you know? When they ask about the older son, the father would say, yeah, he's home. He's out in the field. He's doing the work. Well, what about the younger boy? Well, you know, I haven't seen him around. What's going on with him? And can you imagine how the father felt, you know, as he's, as he's sharing this story? I mean, don't you know that his heart is broken? I've given him his share of the inheritance, and now he is gone. He's long gone. And uh, the rumors are that he's not doing well. He's in another town. He's living a different lifestyle. He's fallen away from the faith. He's fallen away from the family. In fact, the father might even have said, I don't know how he's doing. We haven't heard from him in a while. He's not at home. He's not living with us anymore. The older brother, after the celebration, after they killed the fattened calf, the older, older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father goes out to him, pleaded with him, but he answered his father. He says, look, these years I've been slaving for you, never disobeyed your order. You think that's true? Doesn't the Bible say that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God? But this is the way that he felt about himself. But you've never even given me a young goat so I could go celebrate with my friends. And when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes come home, you kill the fat calf for him. My son, the father, said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again, and he was lost and he is found. So I want us to talk about the heart of the older brother this morning. And I want to tell you that, guys, I believe that all of us go through these two phases. The heart of the younger son that has left 
left family and left God and uh, has, is out there when God calls. Uh, we are the prodigal that was called. But I also believe that after a period of time, we can develop the heart of the older brother. And I want us to just look at that. Uh, you know, that we have a tendency. I think that, you know, when, uh, and we have a lot of new people in this church, a lot of, or I should say a lot of new believers that are in this church, in this congregation. And so when you ask them about that, uh, the, the heart of the older brother, it doesn't really mean a whole lot to them because, you know, when you, when you talk about their salvation or talking about receiving Christ as their Savior, it's just like, you know, uh, how is your walk with God? It's just like, man, it's awesome. You know, I, you know, I, I was a sinner, and, and God accepted me, and I received his grace and his mercy, and he's forgiven me all of my sins, and he's embraced me, and he's welcomed me in. And, uh, you know, and so we go through uh, that, that kind of a time period like that where it's just like, you know, I mean, I'm just amazed that God loves me and cares for me and has welcomed me in. But after we get in church for a while, and, you know, I don't know if there's any numbers to verify this or back it up, but maybe that you've been faithful to God for five or six years or something like that, and you, get, you start reading your Bible and you start you know, going to church more often and your life begins to change and you're attending Bible studies and you're excited about God and God is using you in this ministry and maybe you've even started a ministry and uh, you're all excited and pumped about that and pretty soon we start to forget, you know, about the goodness of God and all that God has given us and we start to think about what we've done. We start to think about, you know, well, look what I've done. And, and you know, and I, I just want to, break it down for us a little bit this morning. Number one, when we develop the heart of the older brother, it affects us in a lot of ways, and I want to talk about several of those this morning. It affects the way that we see ourselves. Uh, notice verse 29 again. He says, I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed an order. I've been slaving for you. And uh, it says, that, you know, that Jesus was familiar with this. He, he was able to see this, this kind of like, uh, you know, we start depending on our own righteousness or things that we do for God. We start thinking about, and we start comparing ourselves to other people. It's like, you know, well, I've been a Christian for five years, and look at all the things that I've been doing. And this guy came to the Lord the same time that I came to the Lord, and he's doing nothing. I mean, he barely even comes to church. You know, can't he quote any scripture? Doesn't know any, any of the word of God? And so we start comparing ourselves to other people. And that's what he's doing here. He says, I've been slaving, you for you for, uh, slaving for you and never disobeyed your order. But look at, look at this younger son of yours, comparing the older son to the younger son. But uh, look at verse, um, uh, or excuse me, Luke 18. And I, I, I want to just kind of tie this in. And Jesus was well aware of this, uh, this kind of like the older brother's heart. And he talks about it in this story right here. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else. And Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee known for their righteousness and their holiness and their study of God's word. And I mean, following the commandments. I mean, just with, I mean, they, they just like are totally into it. It's just like, you know, this is the extreme pole for one of these guys, the Pharisee. And on the other hand, the tax collector. And the Pharisee, I mean, that's just the opposite end. 
Pharisee or the uh, tax collectors were uh, known to be just like the scum of the earth, especially to the Jews. And the Pharisee stood up and he prayed about himself and he said, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. And remember what Jesus said when he was talking about the Pharisees, how they like to pray long and loud, out loud prayers. So there's a real good possibility that this tax collector is sitting there real near this Pharisee, like listening to this Pharisee pray. And the Pharisee's praying about himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, robbers and evildoers and adulterers, or even like this tax collector. How do you think that made the tax collector feel? Man, it, it just, just like when we read the rest of the story here, he goes on to say, the Pharisee says, I, he's talking about all the things that he did or all the things that he does. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all that I get. I what he's saying is I tithe. Um, and, and these are good things, but these are not things that save us. And the tax collector stood at a distance. I, I think I would stand at a distance too if I just heard someone say those things about me. I mean, I'd be so distant that I probably wouldn't be in this congregation right now if somebody was standing at the pulpit talking about me, a sinner, like the Pharisee was talking about the tax collector. And it says, he said, the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. Remember what that word, how that word translates? Justified, just as if I never sinned. Just as if I never sinned. I think what Jesus was saying is that this man went home. You know, it's like another word for saying being born again. This man became born again. He went home justified before God. For everyone that exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalt, exalted. And uh, so in, uh, in, in this story right here, the Pharisee is kind of like the older brother. I mean, the older brother, it's got, he's got the heart of the older brother. Look at all the things that I've done for you. Look how I have slaved for you. Look at, look, at, look at all these things that I've done for you all of my life. The second way that uh, the, having the heart of the older brother affects us is the way, not only the way, the way that we see ourselves, but the way that we see others. And the older brother became angry and refused to go in. And Stella's celebrating and rejoicing. It's like, Father, man, you know, you and I, we have been on our knees day and night praying for this boy that he would come home, and, and now he's come home. And, man, I just, we are so pumped. We're so excited to see the younger brother home, the younger son home. And instead, he gets angry. And Jesus tells another story of the way that we, you know, if we become uh, self-righteous and you know, the, the root of self-righteousness is pride. And, uh, you know, when we, it, it's just like we begin to think about all that we've done. And so Jesus tells another story, and it's also in Luke, Luke chapter 7. It says, now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And when a woman who had lived a sinful life uh, life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. 
And as she stood behind him at his feet, weeping. And I want want you to know that's just like the lowest position that you could be. Standing behind a person and kneeling at at their feet. As she stood behind him, Uh, At his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and then she wiped them with her hair, and she kissed them and poured perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, and just think about this. I mean, before the other story, we had the 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 two. I mean, the two great contrasts: the or the the uh, the Pharisee and the tax collector. Now we got the Pharisee. And the sinful woman. I mean, it's just like the two opposite ends of the spectrum. But uh, the Pharisee says, uh, if this man were really a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. She's a sinner. Hey, everybody in the room, she's a She's a sinner. She's a sinner. And if Jesus knew, that if he was really a prophet, he would know that she's a sinner. And I love the way that this takes off. And Jesus answered him. Now, this man is thinking this in his mind, in his heart. He's thinking this. He's not saying this out loud. These are thoughts that are in his heart. That if he really knew, if he was really a prophet, he would know what kind of woman she is. She's a sinner. And Jesus answers him or answers his thoughts. He says, Simon, I have something to say to you. So, he is a prophet. And he can read people's minds and know their thoughts. Simon, I have something to say to you. Tell me, teacher. It's going to be good. I mean, I'm a Pharisee. I got Jesus at my house. He even say something awesome about me. You know, that, man, you know, uh, Simon, I've been watching you. I've been watching you stroll through the streets. You're robed. You're phylactery. You know the word of God. I've got something great to say to you. He says, I want to tell you a story. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. And neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he canceled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? And Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. And then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. And you did not give me any water from my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I say to you, her many sins have been forgiven. For she loved much, but he who has been forgiven little loves little. I want you to know today, guys, that there are no 50 denarii debts in this room today. We all owe 500. We all owe 500. 
And even if you only owed one, there's none. Your righteousness, your works, your good works, your good deeds are not enough to erase that one debt that you owe. We are all guilty. The third thing that affects is the way that we relate to the Father. Notice what the uh, older brother says. He says, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, and you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Is that true? We just read, didn't we read in the earlier part of the story that when the younger son wanted to leave, that the father divided the property, uh, the property to them evenly? And remember what the Old Testament says, that the oldest son got a double portion. And so the older son has already got twice as much as the younger son has received. He's already got, you know, two-thirds. All, all these years I've been slaving for you. I've never disobeyed your order, and you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. And this is his heart. It's like, I've worked for this. I deserve this. And sometimes we get to a place in our life where God, you know, I mean, you're not answering my prayers. I've, I, I've been in the ministry. I've been serving you in ministry, and, and don't you even notice? Don't you even care? God, you've, you know, haven't you been watching all the things that I've been doing for you? And so what we're saying in essence is that, God, you owe me now because of what I've done for you. God doesn't owe us. Let me just, uh, you know, wrap this up with a few scriptures about the Apostle Paul. Now, we know that I think 13 of the New Testament books were written by the Apostle Paul. I mean, he was like, uh, basically, he was the, you know, after Pentecost and shortly after Pentecost and after the Jerusalem Council. We hear a lot about Peter, James, and John uh, up to that point, but after the Jerusalem Council, it's really Paul. It's the Apostle Paul. I mean, he is the star of the New Testament. I mean, he is the bright, shining, the, the prophet, the teacher, the, the missionary, the apostle. I mean, he is the one that shines and outshines them all. And so uh, Galatians uh, is, is uh, many believe, the first book that the apostle Paul writes. And I notice how he starts out. He says, Paul, an apostle. I want you guys to get that. I'm an apostle sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ, God the Father. This is true. This is a very true statement. But about 20 years later, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. And instead of boasting on him being an apostle, he says, I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. And then the year before he died, he writes to Timothy, and listen to what he says. He goes from Paul the Apostle to I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Can you identify? Who are you identifying with this morning? The prodigal son? or the older brother. You know, where are you in your life today? You know, 
I mean, if we are going to reach sinners as, as a church, and that, that's our goal, that's our, our aim here, is to reach the city, to reach the lost and the hurting, to reach the broken. But if we're going to look at sinners the way that the Pharisee did in the temple, I'm glad I'm not like that person. I'm glad I'm not like, you know, this sinful woman right here. You know, if we're going to have that kind of heart and that kind of attitude, you know, the sinners are going to be just like the tax collector. They're going to be standing way, 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 way off looking up to heaven without the comfort, without the edification, without the exhortation, without the Bible, without worship. They're going to be out. They're going to be out and they're going to stay out because they feel more comfortable out than they do in. And that's why, you know, when someone comes in, we need to embrace them. I don't care what you've done, who you've been with, or who, what, you've, you know, what your past is like. We don't care about that here at the light. What we care about is I don't care where you've been. I care about where you're going, what direction your feet are facing right now. If we're going to reach sinners, that's the way that we have to reach them, embrace them, and let them know that, you know, we are not high above them. We are not the Pharisees of today, that we are sinners in this place just like everybody else. All of us are living broken lives. All of us are trying, looking for a touch for, from Jesus to be restored, uh, you know, so that we can be made whole again, so we in turn can take that message and others too can be made whole. That's the message. That's the message of the gospel. It should be the message of the light, and it should be the message of your life as well. Amen? All right. So, finally, the, the last thing that I want to say is that not only is it it affects the way that we see ourselves. It affects the way that we see others. It affects the way that we relate to the Father, but there is a cure for it. And Paul told us what the cure was in Second Corinthians chapter 2. He says that uh, I've resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's all, that's all I need to know, and that's all that you need to know. And it's all really that the world needs to know. We're not exalting, not puffing ourselves up, not looking for titles, not looking for positions. You know, we're just uh, all sinners in the same boat, uh, being saved by the blood of the Lamb. Um, this morning we're going to have communion, but before we do have communion, I'm just going to ask our worship team to come back up, and then uh, if our servers will, uh, you know, gather the elements and, and come forward. Uh, I want us to just you know, look at our hearts today. Just, just take a moment and try not to be distracted by the movement that's going on around you, but just close your eyes. And, and um, I just want you to think about, are you still rejoicing? You know, David talked about, God restored to me the joy of my salvation. Apparently, he got to a place as well where uh, he felt like maybe his works or his righteousness or things that he had done uh, Maybe in a sense, God owed him for what he has done. Is that the way that your heart is thinking this morning? Uh, do you have the heart of the older brother? Do you rejoice when sinners repent? Or do you become angry? Or do you have thoughts when you hear about people doing something? Just, oh God, I would never do that. I would never go down that road. I would never allow myself to do that. Or is your heart 
Lord Jesus, help them. Help them to see the error of their way. Lord, touch them, save them. Could it be like you and the, and the father of the prodigal look, kneeling together? And we know that our father in heaven, his son Jesus sitting in his right hand, it says that, that he lives to make intercession for us. When we start drifting, when we start going astray, could we join them? As you see someone whose teenage son or teenage daughter or, or son or daughter or someone in your life, you, see, you know that they're making wrong choices and bad choices and there will be consequences. And are you looking at them thinking, you know, they're going to get what they deserve? Or are you looking at them and saying, God, please, please, Father, turn their hearts, bring them back. Bring them back home, Lord God. Turn their hearts. Like the prodigal son, cause them to come to their senses. Lord, we would just ask you that this morning, if we're in the place of the prodigal, that we too would come to our senses, Lord, that you would forgive us our sins and help us to see where we've gone astray, that we have sinned against heaven, we've sinned against you. We ask that you would forgive us God, we know because of this story that you were a compassionate God, a loving God, that you're looking with eyes of mercy and tenderness. And Lord, when, we, when our heart just begins to thank those thoughts, that you begin to run toward us, to embrace us and to bring us home. And if there's anyone in this place this morning like that, you can just simply say, Lord, I, I've drifted, I've strayed, I've fallen away from you or... God, I just want to, I want you to be my Lord, my Savior today. I want to receive Jesus as my, my Lord and Savior. I want to receive the work of Calvary, not my goodness, not my reading of the word or giving money or praying or saying prayers or even attending church, that my righteousness is in your Son and in your Son alone. And I receive him as my righteousness today. If you said that, you to know that the heavens say, or the scripture says that the heavens rejoice, the angels in heaven rejoice. But maybe you find yourself if you've been walking with the Lord for a while, that you've developed the heart of the older brother. That you're not joyful when others go through good things and they have great things happen in their life. That you've become, in your walk with God, bitter and angry and distant trusting in your own righteousness and your own good deeds the things that you've done maybe you feel like God owes you this morning that you've been praying and praying and you haven't heard an answer from God and you've become disenchanted and disappointed in God and like the older brother you don't want to come into the house you're angry with God, like he was angry with his father. And if you find yourself like that this morning, we would just simply say, and guys, I, I would pray this prayer with you this morning. Does God change our hearts? Lord, forgive us the thoughts that we've had. We pray, God, that you would restore us to a right relationship, that we would celebrate when sinners come to repentance. Lord, that we would rejoice, that we would be glad, that we would be encouragers, 
Lord, that we would ask you to help us to win this city, to bring men and women into this place, not so that we can be a big church, but God, so that sinners can be saved and that they could be discipled and they could learn your word and, and uh, that they too can go out and, and share the good news and spread the good news. Lord, we ask you these things in the name of your son, Jesus, and God's people said, amen, amen, and amen.